earliest memory of Dirk, it was probably probably a year he was playing with Steve Nash. I kept hearing somebody named Dirt, like with a T. So I was like, why is there a dude named Dirt in the league? And then I, you know, I found out he was actually pretty good. So. I don't know how y'all do things over there in Beijing, <laughs> but we score points in the second half. That's right. Okay. Here in Texas. Get your cardio up. <laughs> we Ducks. appreciate points in the second half, Justin Hamilton. Man, I you know, <clears throat> as a man who's been to China. Oh, wow. I can tell you that, um, and I don't think this is only in China. I think it's just not America. <laughs> you can smoke cigarettes in the airport. They have like a little special cigarette lounge in the airport, and they have like plants in there and stuff. Uh-huh. Are, naturally plants. Yeah, to give you just a little <laughs> oxygen as you're smoking a cigarette in an airport. Let the plants do their job. These now, my wife wouldn't fine. let me smoke in there. She, I was oh, thinking, like, and I don't even really smoke like regular is this like the smoking room in vegas yeah the book except it's at an airport which i think uh, i got sick a week from yeah and so she's like no absolutely not but i wanted to real bad but there's plant babe there's plants there's plants i think that there's a chance that the beijing ducks all were 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 smoking in that lounge (laughs) right before they headed over here because some winstons in the locker room did not seem a nice halftime winston they got the duty-free lucky strikes And we're huffing hard because they yeah. were not prepared to play a full game of basketball last night. I like to think that Rick went into the locker room at halftime and goes, I swear to God, if Justin Hamilton dimes us up for another 22 points in the second half, I mean, we are running all day tomorrow. He did have 29. Yeah. Uh, but like you said, it was almost all in the first half. And 22 in the first half. Dallas with the 35-7 advantage in the fourth quarter last night. Oh, dude, I was, we were taking bets on if the Ducks are going to score again with seven minutes left. It's pretty great, man. And I saw most of the second and third quarters. That was the one to work see. it in with football. Dude, the first quarter was pretty ugly. Um, yeah. I really wanted to blame it on uh, them having a shoot-around at the practice facility, which is weird. That is weird. It's a weird Rick thing this year where he's like, oh, I kind of like it. So they did shoot-around for the game they're going to play in a location – other than the game they're going to play, which huh. just seems counterintuitive. A lot of those guys, I don't know if they played on the AAC floor before that. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, get a feel. Yeah, I don't they know. They haven't if, been running their scrimmages there. I don't no, think. they haven't been over there at all. Not once. Besides media day, no, they haven't been on that floor. So I don't know if that's the first time Luca had literally shot a meaningful, or not I mean, you know, practice isn't super meaningful, but a, uh, a regular tempo, this one kind of counts, shot on the AAC floor before then. Well, in any case, it was really, really cool to see them just on the floor, on television. Yeah, Here are our old familiar friends on the broadcast, mm-hmm. uh, plus Coop yeah. uh, sliding in, which is always cool. And, he was uh, nailing those names. I assume he got all of them right. He just he was saying the them with is, such authority. We don't really know. Yeah, you could have said it. But anything. he sold it for sure. I um, wanted to do a game on the pregame show where I was like, real or fake Beijing duck, and just do names, and then basically one of them was going to be Dirk Nowitzki spelled backwards and see if anybody caught it. <laughs> I don't think anybody would have caught it. <laughs> It'd be Ick. Ick's, I can't even say it. But, uh, yeah. It was fun, man. And it was cool, too, because this is what you do, um, like, early in your ascent mm-hmm. from the ashes is the first boss you have to conquer is become league pass team. Yeah, <laughs> that is. That's like... That's level, where level one or two, right? That's where Denver was like last year, or the year before, where the Warriors were five years ago. Yeah, where they were league pass acceptable. Uh, I mean, the Celtics even at first kind of had a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. Um, although I guess they kind of have, they got very lucky by ripping off. Oh my God, the one of the worst owners in the last couple decades of sports. But yeah, that is definitely the first move. Is dude, it is blew to get my the mind. Past working this morning. When I woke up and I, I took took my shower, which I could t- I could take a shower at 11 p.m. the night before. I'm still taking one at 8 a.m. the next day. Totally. I'm a weirdo. By the way, 76ers were 
that's the other team I was trying to think of that was definitely heavy league pass and is now like actually good. Yeah. Uh, it blew my mind this morning to go, okay, when were the NBA finals? I guess ended early first week of June. So June to July is one month. July to August is two months. August to September is three. And now we're in August. We're on October. Uh, whenever you hear this tomorrow on the first four months ago, the Cleveland Cavaliers were in the NBA finals. <laughs> A third of a year ago, the Cavaliers were marching into an NBA Finals. And now it looks like they're a bottom five team in their conference. Yeah. And just that the, the IT trade, just that's what brought that up to me, where I was like, what if that trade doesn't happen or if that trade goes right, how different is everything right now? But that's probably a, a whole Rick and Morty episode of podcast for you that we're not going to dive into, I suppose. But yeah, it was super fun last night, man. The real ones showed up. People were making noise. Like everybody that was there, like wanted to be there. It wasn't like a Cowboys preseason game where it's like, ah, oh, crap! I paid hundred bucks for these and the parking, so I'm here now. Everybody that was there, like it was loud when Luca was introduced. It was loud when DeAndre was introduced. Um, obviously, it wasn't a full bowl, but people were into it, and uh, I think I saw everything I wanted to see. As as excited as I could be for preseason game one of four of two of which are going to be super early morning games so uh if you want to wake up to me and bobby live tweeting those bad boys you can um yeah i think we're still a little little bit drunk on on euro drip on our on our large adult son putting together a highlight package with all the tricks yeah i don't know how you couldn't be i mean the first thing i thought man and i did watch three or four full games of euro league stuff and then countless countless little 15 minute packages Mm -hmm. that weren't just highlights they were you know good plays and bad plays and I don't know why you would think it would be the opposite of this but I just was so I was struck by how freaking big he looked last night he's huge I mean I just don't know that the that most fans even the when you see his dimensions and I know we've talked about him needing to lose a little bit of weight Mm -hmm. uh probably just for the NBA body but that's a big boy man I mean that is a Big, big man. And I mean, he played 30 minutes last night, and I never felt like he was super winded, and that was an up-and-down game after yeah. the first, I don't know, six, seven minutes. So I don't know if the conditioning's an issue, if it's just getting in shape to be in shape so you can move laterally better, but I don't, I don't think it's conditioning at all. I think the kids got that. And That's, the foot speed's there, like the straight line speed. And the control. Yeah, the, the control. His control of his body whenever he's moving and stopping and starting. Yeah. He can get a defender on his back mm-hmm. and get to the line. Because he's he's probably not going to blow past anybody and get to the line like you might think of Dennis doing, but there's other ways to get people to foul you, and he seems pretty adept at that. And, you know, we don't I don't have numbers from last night, like for preseason, but the Mavericks finished 15th last year in the percentage of their shots that were unguarded. Mm-hmm. That will not happen again. There yeah. were a ton of open looks last night. Oh, yeah. And so... If they're finishing right in the middle of the pack on that last year, we've talked about a couple of stats that we'll watch to say, all right, this should should improve, this should improve, this should improve. Obviously, transition points, offensive rebounds. Mm -hmm. um, Second chance points. Second chance points. rebounds. uh, You know, pick and roll with a roll man is the the score. But Mm -hmm. I would expect them to jump into the top 10 in the percentage of their shots that are unguarded. And if you look at the teams in the top 10, they're almost all teams that can score a lot. Yeah. So, you know. Just the creating of looks by eventually people are probably going to start respecting his three a little more because last night they were not. No. And he was making them pay. I don't, yeah, I don't know if their defensive rotations just got compromised to a point where it didn't wouldn't make a difference if someone tried to close out on him a couple times whenever he was open on the wing, the right wing, which was the one he seemed to like last night. Uh, but he was knocking him down no matter what. Like I don't know if there was a level of don't guard that guy. I don't know, I don't know if the, either team scouted uh, each other at all. Yeah, point, probably not. To the point where it was like, don't throw a hand up on this guy. Because I know Rick didn't get any tape on them them Beijing Ducks. So they didn't they didn't know who was a good shooter or not. I mean, they know Justin Hamilton and they know Aaron Jackson because they're former uh, G League and NBA guys. But the rest of the team, like, I don't know. You could tell me one of those dudes was a 45% three-point shooter. I wouldn't know the difference. I yeah. have no idea. Um, the full arsenal last night was the thing I really wanted to see. And... I mean, he ran the point, he played off ball, he played in the post, he had a couple of defensive plays that were really impressive because people just, 
you're right. They don't realize how big, how long he is. Uh, his size is a problem for just about his size in combination with his skill and ability to take the basketball wherever he wants it on a on a string. There's not that many defenders. That that guy doesn't exist on every team, and so, um, I was really impressed overall by Luca. I mean, the hype train. I mean, I've been wanting to see the guy in a Mavericks uniform play a basketball game that's competitive for what two and a half, three months now. And at first, I was a little worried because uh, not worried. It's just you want all positives, and some of the some of the backdoor cuts he was trying to trying to facilitate that weren't happening. I'd rather him do that than not, than be conservative with the basketball. Because turnovers is a sign of you're trying to make something happen, right, as a young player. And so he's throwing those backdoor cuts. He's, he's slinging it to where he, th- he thinks a guy is going to pop out to. And he had four turnovers last night, I think. And he, yeah. and he said in the post game, as we're standing there, uh, you know, I don't want to – he's like, I'm going to cut that in half. <laughs> he goes, two is too many. He, he goes, I'd like to have one. Yeah, and, well, that's a great idea, but <laughs> right. I mean, look, he's going to turn the ball over a lot this year. But it's 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 top of his mind. Yeah, like it's the first thing like he brought up. He got lost on defense a few times. <laughs> yeah, where it looked funny. But I tell you, man, the reason I don't care if he turns the ball over four times, and I mean that's not ideal, but the ball goes where it's supposed to go. And also, a lot of times he's the guy getting the rebound and then pushing the ball up the floor, which that is was awesome. so so different for Dallas. I mean, the fact that he can just grab it and he's got a pretty big stride. Yeah. So he doesn't it doesn't even really take him long despite not being, you know, all that athletic. It doesn't take him that long to get the ball across mid-floor. And it's just such a different look from what we've seen before. So, yeah. You got to qualify it with the with the competition, but Dude, the ability to get a rebound and be the guy who gets it up the floor and can stop and pull the trigger if you have to, it's pretty dynamite. He sees, I mean, I know it's, I don't feel like we have enough ways to describe what he's really good at. And I know why NBA scouts and coaches and guys that watch the game a ton love him so much. Because the ball, its he's always making the right decision with the ball. Like he's whatever the defense has laid out in front of you, whatever the chess match is that's happening in front of him, I feel like ninety percent of the time he's doing the right thing. He can feel when the defense is overplaying this way, and he's not trying to you know duck his head down into the lane and then do the kick out like Parsons. I mean, you know what Parsons did, right? Parsons was forty five degree angle at the lane. Uh, I'm either gonna duck my shoulder and you take it up, or I'm I'm swinging it out, and it's it's a very very short formula, right? It's if this, this, plus this equals that. I feel like Luca has about like 10 different variables in it. And he can feel just simply like scanning the defense, especially in transition. Like the one that I really liked was he got the ball off the rebound, took it down, dove into the lane, felt there were two or three guys in there, knew the numbers along the perimeter had to be, you know, in their favor Kind of backed somebody down, slung it out to Maxi, top of the key, and Maxi knocked down a three. Yeah, that one, he was like in the air, too. Yeah. At least if you're thinking of the same play, which yeah. a lot of times when a guy leaves his feet... I, I don't like that, usually. Yeah. <laughs> and he kind of hung in the air for what felt like a really long time, mm-hmm. and then was able to deliver an on-target pass back to the perimeter. He That's does have some hover to him. pretty impressive, yeah. He has a little bit of hover to him. Like, I don't know what his vertical is. I'd like to know uh, what he did at, like, you know, whenever he was with Real Madrid, because he didn't do the NBA Combine, obviously. He's got a little bit of hover to him where he just kind of stays in the air a little bit longer than you would anticipate. And the block on Justin Hamilton, whenever Dennis, they get Dennis matched up on Justin Hamilton, who's just a giant behemoth of a man in the post. And he takes a power dribble, turns around. And by the time his, his head gets whipped around, Luke is there just like levitating. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't jump shoot super high, just high enough and stays up there and knocks it out with a pretty solid block. Then he blocked another three point shot. So two blocks in the night, or was it three? Let me see. Uh, three blocks in the night. Yeah, I wasn't sure if one of them was going to be counted as a block or a steal. Yeah. Um, I mean, just the whole bag, man. Exactly what you wanted to see from Luka Doncic last night is what you got. Uh, the people were, <laughs> the people that are, are uh, want to be super critical of any young guy that's a point guard definitely were like, oh, try that behind the back stuff, you know. Uh, in a couple of weeks when they're playing an NBA team. And I'm like, well, when he's matched up on a five? Yeah. Yeah, I, w- I want him to. 
Which is going to be the case a lot. Yeah, whenever he, whenever he gets down there and he's trying to initiate early offense and a five says, okay, let's go, and pulls the shorts up a little bit and slaps the floor like he's playing for Duke all of a sudden. And he's like, all right, man, sorry about what's about to happen to you. And he went between the legs twice, pulled him back behind the back on a string, and then just high off the glass before he could recover. The starters played, at least the starters that were out there played fast. Yeah. Faster. Mm-hmm. Um, the bench units slowed it down quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, Jalen Brunson is going to run a slow offense. He's he's methodical. <laughs> yeah. He's very methodical. Which, I and mean, the, you know, there's a place for that, too. Yeah. And I'll, I'll be dead honest. Wes Matthews didn't look that great last night, but I think he's like a pitcher during training camp. I feel like he's working on something. Because Wes caught the ball along the perimeter a couple times where I was like, yo, he would shoot that right now. Yeah. If this is a regular game, he's he's... He's getting it up and the arrow's flying. But he was like, you know what? I'm going to try and get to the lane and get at the basket every time I touch the ball. And a couple times it worked and a couple times he got hit on top of the head and hit some dude's chin and all this stuff. And he got a little banged up early uh, and was kind of limping around. And, you know, he wanted to, he wanted to take some punishment out on somebody else because they've honestly just been like hitting each other in the face for two weeks. It's good to see Luca had seven of his sixteen in transition. Yeah, um, one of them being a three. But yeah, man, I mean, there's it, it just nothing that I saw that I felt discouraged by, really. And it's mm-hmm. not much you can be too hyped about or bummed about at in preseason game number one against the Beijing Ducks. Yeah, but if he didn't <clears throat> shoot well, I might be a little worried because that's a narrative that's happening. You know, that he's not an elite three point shooter. And and if if you told me if you give me the excuse of okay the ball's different the three point line's different, you know first preseason game you know he goes one of five from three or something like that I wouldn't freak out but I'd be like I'd be trying to think of some alibi for it automatically. Yeah. Well, he didn't, yeah. <laughs> and largely because he was uncovered, right? Um, but I I really do think there there's going to be a lot of open looks uh, for both Smith Jr. and for him this year, and uh. Yeah, I'm super, super excited. I don't really know what else we could say about it at this point other than it's fun to have people who are not even Mavericks fans interested and excited about the Mavericks. It's very cool. Oh, yeah. Because you get more interesting coverage. You get more pe- people actually paying attention. I will say this, um, and I hope I'm allowed to say this. <laughs> I wish that they would change their uniforms. Like, <laughs> because while I liked them for a long time, yeah. now there's just something about seeing him out there and seeing Smith Jr. where we we feel really cool yeah, and we feel really new. And I like our color scheme. I just don't love the the home whites. right? And I think that probably at some point in the next few years, so maybe the bulk of his career will be played in a different jersey. I just I want to have the full cool package. And I've got cool players now. We run a really cool offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a monster in the middle to have some cool defense. And I just, uh, I'd love to see them bring more Kelly Green and yeah, just a slight dip. But you know, these are because I, I feel like now, um, you know, the rest of the basketball world is is interested in Dallas again, and mm-hmm. I want them to love all of it. Yeah, every every single bit. Yeah, because I don't think they've been paying that close of attention for a couple years. Right. Now I'm like, hey, look at this. Yeah, look what we got for you. I've been, hey, this is revenge body. Look at this. Absolutely. Um, that That is a good point, though, or an interesting point, because whenever I see Dirk in the home white, I love it. Right. And I see Beret in the home white, and I love it. Yes. I have no issue with, with them wearing it. But the young guys, I'm like, y'all are kind of your own thing, you know? And I'm not going to drop any news here, but... You might get what you want in a couple of years or so. Sure. I mean, we'll you, see. That's, that's just any time you've had a, a uniform that long. Yeah. Uh, so we spent most of our time talking about Luca. The but... City Edition this year of Fire, though. Really? Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, DeAndre Jordan in his limited action was awesome. Yeah, he's great, man. Uh, he's like facilitating from the wing <laughs> Dude, <laughs> a that, couple times. We need to talk about, we probably need to talk about Finney Smith because I felt like he, that was the most important game, one of the most important games he's ever played in. A little, little baseline cut. Yeah. A little right uh from the baseline and the DeAndre finds him yeah that's yeah. a sweet move like i i that's the guy i watched for basically the whole first half and i was like okay what's what's dfs doing because we didn't get to it last week we talked a little bit about Finney Smith last week answering a twitter question but you start sliding guys down the scale right luka in the starting lineup DeAndre in the starting lineup Dirk bumps to the bench okay these bench guys it, rick's not going to play you 
if you're not delivering. Like, if you can't give him something, and for Finney Smith, it's it's shooting so poorly that he's not a contributor on the offensive end. And you know what? I can put Ryan Brokoff out there. Yeah, I can put Maxi Kleber out there. And they can give me something on the offensive end immediately if that's what I'm looking for. So for Finney Smith, him getting the start felt like a bigger deal than any any other narrative that was kind of happening. And he played pretty well. I mean, the numbers are going to be a Dorian Finney-Smith number. It's going to be a line. It's going to be a seven, seven, five, two, three steals. Like, that's pretty normal. And that's all you need from him. You just don't need him, like, demanding the ball along the perimeter, like, shooting threes when they're unnecessary. Uh, I need him playing really good defense. I need him making smart plays, which I felt like he did earlier. He did a pull-up, had a pull-up at the elbow, just took what the defense gave him, his first shot of the game, and that cut. Whenever DeAndre was at the top of the uh, top of the key, realizing there's no goalie here. Yeah. If I beat my guy off this cut, then you know I'm either dunking it or it's a layup. And I thought he was. I thought it was a good a good game, a uh, a plus game from Dorian Finney-Smith. Despite you know he's never going to fill up. He had a couple games last year when he filled uh, filled up the uh, the stat sheet, but honestly, they were such a that, that roster was depleted. <laughs> like it wasn't that someone had to get those rebounds and those in those points. So if he has a, you know, a nice nine and nine and five game this year, I feel like that's a difference between he's going to have a large effect on winning basketball. I think the key is to even though <clears throat> maybe they're giving it to you from the elbow, mm-hmm. I think the key for him is to just be really good on cuts, yeah, and really good off of screens. He's so and long not, and not he is very long and he's quick. So don't fall in love with the idea. He went fourteen of forty five on spot up shots last year. That's mm-hmm. going to be one of the worst. Yeah, uh, ranks in the league, and I know that you think three and D guy needs to be spot up guy, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. Yeah, you know if you can get to the rim on cuts and off of screens, off back cuts, then you, know, you can still be a decent offensive option. Mm-hmm. And it it is entirely uh, contingent on if he knocks down the open threes, because he's reworked his shot for what it's worth. Uh, everyone around the team has called him the best training camp shooter consistently on the team during camp for what it's worth. And if people start playing off of him, I mean, if he can get ahead of steam, like diving into the lane, I mean, the dude is 6'10". He's a big body. Uh, His touch around the basket, you know, that's yet to be decided, but I feel like that could be a tool for him. So do you think that... If Barnes has to miss the start of the season, which we haven't even talked about his injury, mm-hmm. it's and not. I don't, I don't feel like it's that serious. It might not be, but I'm never going to take a hamstring lightly. I mean, no. I've seen this. It, it happens. We have a ton of history with it around here. Mm-hmm. There's a guy who's hanging him up probably today. Beltre dealt with it forever. Sean Lee deal, has dealt with it forever. It's mm-hmm. not smart to play on it. So I get why they're. I get why they're sitting him down. But if he can't start at the beginning of the season, is that your starting lineup? <sighs> probably because I feel like you might want to develop some level of uh, consistency yeah. with who Luca is guarding and who Dirk is playing with off the bench instead of panicking and saying, all right, now we're sliding Luca out to the two or the three mm-hmm. and going back to Dirk at the four. As I've said several times, I don't love that mainly because I don't think Dirk is guarding any fours and Deandre shouldn't be tasked with that. If you want to, run your defense the way you'd like to. So that yeah. might be what they have to do. Yeah, I mean, sliding Dirk back into the starting lineup never even entered the <laughs> equation for me. I mean, if he's off the bench, then he's off the bench, and the starting rotation does not dictate that either way. Um, I think I think that'd make the most sense, probably. I mean, your for, other option is basically to start Maxi at the four. Yeah, Maxi at the four, or, I mean, you could mess around playing Brokoff in the starting lineup. I mean, he's a dead-eye shooter, uh, if that's all you need. I guess it... They would obviously have a better feel than I would on it, um, but it depends how they've looked in the last, what, five days since Harrison hasn't been playing. You know, I, I assume Finney Smith would slide into the starting lineup like he did in preseason game one because you don't want to, you don't want a playbook for when Harrison Barnes is healthy and another playbook for when Harrison Barnes' hamstring is hurting him. That's, I feel like that's setting you up for failure. And I don't, his hamstring isn't a big deal. He's been he's been working on the side, and after everyone, after everybody with the team team employees leave, he comes in there and he's he's working out, he's doing stuff. So I don't feel like it's a big issue. Uh, Bray also didn't play. Dwight Powell's got some kind of knee thing that he's uh, 
dealing with. I don't think it's that serious. He's also practicing. I didn't know he had a knee thing at all until um, day before the game. They said, oh, Dwight's not going to play. Um, and then Dirk with the ankle. The ankle thing, I don't want to overreact to it, but that kind of worries me. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was a procedure. It wasn't like a repair this type thing. It was a remove like little uh, fragments in his ankle so he has more range of motion. So whenever he does fully recover, he's going to be more flexible, more range of, mo- more range of motion. Um, the foot's going to be better than it has been in probably five years. It's just getting back to that speed. Because he's missed a lot of time now. I mean, that was a month ago whenever he was telling us, you know, I haven't done any side-to-side work. Yeah. And so he's done some side-to-side work, and he's done, um, you know, a lot of recovery stuff. He just hasn't played (laughs) in five-on-five games. So speaking of Dirk, uh, the question that we got on Twitter from Jason regarding the rotation, I think this mm-hmm. is interesting. How do you think Carlisle will adjust to making subs in the first and third quarters now that he won't have Dirk as a starter going out at the seven-minute mark? Will he let all the starters play deep into the quarter and then make wholesale changes or a more gradual rotation? I think actually that despite the fact that he played until three minutes left in the first quarter last night, I think Luca's your first man off the floor, and it's mm. probably – right around when Dirk used to come out. Maybe a little bit later because you don't probably don't want Dirk playing the entire rest of the first quarter, but I right. think probably I would like to see Dirk and probably Powell come in first and play a couple of minutes and then have maybe even a minute and a half and then have Berea and either Berea and Brunson, probably be Berea and Harris. Uh, get your wings, and that's the thing. Like the bench is so absent your guards of, pot, of wing defenders. Yeah, that and, it makes and it also, pretty tough. And also, we talked about this last week. You cannot let Wes Matthews just dictate yeah. his run. Yeah, because he will stay out. I mean, he's he wants to lead them in minutes. Uh, maybe he still will, but it'll just be like a, a slightly decreased mm-hmm. version of that. But it'll be interesting because they've done the same thing for so long. Oh yeah. I mean, it's been, that's been the rotation for, I mean, Rick Carlisle hasn't even had to, I mean, the roster switched a little bit, like JJ was gone for a minute and he came back and stuff like that. But I mean, seven minute mark of the first quarter, you know, what's happening. Everyone knows what's happening. Like the other team can already tell you who they're going to throw in against, uh, you know, the second unit. What I think, I think JJ, Powell and Dirk are the first three guys in. Because I think they need to play together always. That's probably true. So then you pretty much have to have... I would leave... I'd probably leave Dennis in there for a minute or two and see how it's going. Just take him off the ball a little bit. Yeah, take him off the ball a little bit. um, Let him push the pace if Powell wants to run with him. And maybe leave Barnes in there for a minute or two. I like that. I like that a lot. And there's... No, you don't have anybody that can really defend a powerful five. Nah, but I'm going to... But freaking murder you yes (laughs) i got yeah shooters everywhere i got rollers everywhere yeah that's that's dirty i think that's how it works and then probably two minutes left in the first you go back to whatever you know you figure out what's working what's killing the other team or what's killing you uh defensively and then deandre and luca probably start working their way back in um so i i to answer the question i think dwight powell dirk and jj brea always need to be on the court together like midway through the first quarter, you're making that move. Yeah, I, uh, I we've talked about it before. I would like to have one of Smith Jr. or Luca on the floor as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So in this scenario, what you would pretty much have to do is you would have to play Smith Jr. for a long time in the first quarter mm-hmm. before. And I also don't know that you want Dirk and Luca on the floor a ton together. Yeah. Uh, I know that it seems cool, and, and cer- yeah. certainly there's lineups where they're going to try it, but they honestly they occupy a lot of the same space right now offensively. Exactly, exactly. And, and defensively, you're talking about two guys who are kind of at least at this point liabilities. Yeah, you can't hide two on along the perimeter. Right, that's tough. So, so I mean, unless I'm the, sure they'll do it from time to time, but I don't I don't think they need to like fall in love with letting people see that. Yeah, and I mean making Dirk. Guard the opposing five, uh, opposed to well, I mean, it's just it would get really weird if yeah. Luke and Dirk, because then you got Powell out there and you got Luke out there, 
and it's like, okay, we got three guys to guard two of their guys. Uh, who's guarding their three? Now, they can do a ton of different things. I mean, I think just as far as – I heard DeAndre Jordan talking to you guys about this, but they can offer you many different looks. Oh, yeah. As far they're as multiple whether as they're playing you know, big, small, or spread, or slow, or fast, or if they're going to try to work for – isolation shots we know they have a bunch of dudes that can do that if they want to try to play mm-hmm. uh you know a, a faster style and try to get more lobs we know they can do that now I mean they've kind of unlocked and I think that really does probably come down to DeAndre um but there's a lot of different ways they can attack you offensively yeah I mean they can play almost any game um the biggest I mean the thing that keeps popping up to me Whenever I start going, and this is just looking at rosters and looking at numbers and shot totals from last year and percentages and stuff that might not matter at all this season. Stuff that doesn't necessarily carry over from one year to the next on your basketball reference page. And that's just pure skilled shooters. Yeah. Doug McDermott, Yogi, and Seth Curry. And you can take Seth out if you want. That's fine. People keep saying that. I'm like, okay, well... Uh, <laughs> he was really good when he played year before last, right? Everyone loved that. A uh, pretty high volume of shots by the end. That's of a it. lot of threes, man, that went out the door. And I think the natural answer is okay. The ball is going to be moving better. And last night I felt like the ball. There was I, last night I wasn't sitting there going, okay, who's going to create an open three? And yeah, it was against the Beijing Ducks, but you do it in game one, <laughs> you do it in game two, you do it in game three, you do it all throughout the preseason. And then it's part, of, it's part of who you are at some point. It's how your offense runs. Luka is going to put the ball in the right spot. Dennis is going to make defenses rotate. DeAndre is going to make defenses rotate. And then you find the open guy. And yeah, if you're doing a three-point shooting contest, last year's team or the year before's team might beat this team. Those teams aren't as good. Yeah, I would They just aren't. Totally agree. They just aren't. And I, I wonder about the second unit. If that's basically the the sole role that Ryan Brokoff is there for, is to fill it up. Because that dude can shoot the piss out of the basketball. Yeah. It's weird how good he is. It's like you watch a guy and it's weird how consistent and off the move. Like he'll catch it at a full sprint, stabilize his body. It's the same release every time. And to Dorian Finney-Smith's credit, he's looked almost exactly the same during during training camp. It's just when the lights come on, one guy's done it, or at least played professionally and done it, and Dorian Finney-Smith has to prove that he can do it now. And if you can meld those guys together, you've got like the one of the best bench players in basketball. With that length, what Dorian Finney-Smith can do defensively and his active hands and staying in front of guys and then broke off filling it up. And that's going to be a pretty tricky thing for Rick, I think, is the Finney-Smith-Brokoff-Maxi decision on the second units, picking the poisons on that. That probably has just as much to do with, you know, who you're playing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, I, uh, I really like Maxi man. Dude, he's turned into a really, really good player. It's uh, He looks strong as hell. Dude, he looks like a bull now. He's a, he has an a, NBA body. Definitely. He's you know a I mean? big, strong dude with hops, with touch from three. Like, he's got the, the outline of... A really stinking good NBA player. Yeah, I, I mean, he might have been slightly miscast whenever they were having to start him for the first 20 games of the season. Yeah. But I think it helped him this year. I think it helped him develop a for lot. For sure. And that five-man unit, was, which ended up being their most used, was also pretty dang good mm-hmm. uh, net rating-wise. And so the issue is, do you really want him guarding the best fives in the league for 25 minutes a night? No, of yeah. course not. But, you know, sometimes I think that we forget that the best fives in the league pretty much can't be guarded by anybody. Right. So it might look worse whenever he's getting worked by, mm-hmm. you know, somebody like Carl Anthony Towns or something like that. Yeah. But those guys get buckets on everybody. Right. I mean, there's just not that many people who are rolling in and stopping Anthony Davis. So it might yeah. look funnier when Maxi does it. Mm-hmm. It definitely looks funnier whenever Powell gets beat up. <laughs> right. Uh, but I don't think that they're like that much worse than the guys that you consider capable defenders. Right. No, I mean, the percentages, I feel... Just kind of get slotted. Yeah, I feel like the percentages aren't that different um, between a what you would consider a good defender 
against the top 10 four fives in the league in a, you know, average to below average defender. I don't feel like, and that's something that DeAndre said on the podcast that really interested me is he, he said, nobody can guard anybody one-on-one in this league. Right. Yeah. It's team defense. Yeah. It just, it just doesn't happen. So whenever you start laying out your five, yeah, these are individuals. So you count them as one, two, three, four, five, and then you go, oh, this guy's guarding that guy, but that's not really something that they think about. Like in the Kobe Bryant, I'm going to lock you down sense of yeah of machismo that we lived with in the NBA for the longest time, for 25 years or so. Of the, I got this guy. He's not scoring more than I am. Like, I'm going to be a net positive in this matchup. It's just not a thing anymore. Offensive basketball is too good. The offensive players are just too skilled. And defenses are naturally at a disadvantage because you're playing with your back to the basket and you're just you're not as good rotating and planting and going towards the basket or quicker than the guy handling the ball anymore. At one point, I felt like it was almost even where guys' ball handling just wasn't that skilled in the league. Now I feel like it's just they leapfrog defenses. Let me ask you just a couple of like random quick hitties. Sure. Does Smith Jr.'s free throw trajectory – and I don't mean by the actually the way the shot looks, looks, but how, I mean, he was three for six last night. Mm-hmm. He was pretty bad his rookie year. Yeah. That cannot, he cannot be a 65 to 70% free throw shooter and be a guy who gets to the rim that much. He's I'm got completely to be an, agree. an 80 to 90% free, free throw shooter. Yeah. And so, you know, it's one game. I think, did he miss two in one trip last night? I think he, yeah, I think he missed both ends. Of one of them. Yeah. So, and it just looked a little weird. And I know they commented on the broadcast. But for example, um, Russell Westbrook is a career 81.4% free throw shooter. And that's after having the lowest number of his year, of his career last year mm-hmm. at 74. In 2016 17, he was at 85. Yeah. And so that's a guy that a lot of us look at him. I think that's a lot of variance. It really is, but him. it's still pretty high. And then, yeah. you know, like John Wall, similar variance, 79% for his career, mm-hmm. but he went from 80 down to 73 wow. uh, over two seasons. and But still, that's considerably higher yeah. uh, average at 79, Dennis being his rookie year at 69. I still can't get over, by the way, um, this is a real sidetrack, but <laughs> John Wall's uh, three-point totals. Oh, God. His second year in 2011-2012, he took 42 threes and made three. <laughs> three. <laughs> <laughs> the next year he made uh he took 45 and made 12. Hey, look at the percentage. And then the next year guy, he jumped times from as 45 attempts to 308. Wow. And jumped from 12 makes to 108. Damn. So it's just so funny when you go back and look at some of these game logs for like Marcus Saul and dudes yeah. like that who just all of a sudden started shooting. But in any oh, yeah. case, those are just guys who put their head down and get to the rim a lot. I think mm. I don't think the career trajectory for Smith Jr. is going to follow Westbrook or Wall solely because they have Luka now. Yeah. And I think Westbrook would be pissed if he had to play with a player like Luka if they got him now. The key mm. is to get him whenever Smith Jr. has only been here a year. Right. If they tried to draft Luka in Smith Jr.'s fifth year, I don't know that I think this would work. Maybe um, not. It depends, obviously, what his, uh, his pedigree is at that point. But... Well, if he's playing as a guy who has the highest usage rate on his team <laughs> for four or five years, I don't think is, that's yeah. You know, that's tough to get a guy to come off that late in his career. But if you do it whenever they're twenty-one, I think a that's little different. Yeah, but he's got an to anomaly. get his free throws. Oh, no I'm doubt, <laughs> no doubt. I think I think the usage rate last year is an anomaly, but it's the only sample size we have. So we're just thinking of you know, if it's the only thing you've seen, then you think that's the thing. Um, but his his free throw percentage, number one, I want him to make more free throws because it's just easy points and he's a guy that attacks and I don't want him to be um, scared of getting fouled because now I have to go shoot these two that are meaningful shots and I want him going like just head down at the basket. If you send me to the line, you send me to the line, I'm going to be as lethal from there as anywhere. But his true shooting percentage is never going to be right if he doesn't shoot okay from the free throw line. And so people are never going to think he's an average or an efficient scorer, even if he is on live dribble basketball. And so people are always going to ask him, like, how are you going to get better? How are you going to be a better scorer? How are you going to be league efficient? You know, that type of stuff. The stuff that we all probably care about more than we should a little bit. Um, But I felt like last night watching him, 
He got blocked a lot last year, too. Yeah. I feel like he did more up and unders, like letting the rim protect, than I've ever seen him do. Well, I mean, you you have those sort of hops for your entire life. You're just not used to having <laughs> right. the contact at that point. Yeah. But You're the, the biggest kid group. in the yard. You don't learn how to <laughs> uh, shoot over people. You just plow through them. I feel like it did get better as the year went on. I think it did, Sue. But last night, almost every layup he took was an up and under reverse, letting the rim and net protect him. And I feel like, you know, if he can do that consistently, that's a cool shot, number one. It's hard to, um, you know, stay defensively hitched to somebody all the way through the lane and then across the lane, up and under reverse, and you're not going to get blocked a lot of the time as much as he did last year. But, yeah, he needs to shoot better from the free throw line. And, honestly, I I don't know how high his output from the free throw line, his percentage, can be with his shot because he does have a lot of hand. He uses – he basically – the ball's like, touches here. I'm pointing to the bottom of where, like, my hand ends. He's, like, here, and he gets it up, and he goes like that. Yeah. And he's just got a lot of, <laughs> a lot of claw, a lot of claw on the ball whenever he shoots. And from three, it works. Because you can kind of side spin a three, and get a weird rotation on it as long as it's a as long as it's a good good stroke on it. But free throws tighter, and I don't I just don't know if his shot ever projects for him to be like an eighty five percent free throw shooter. And then on top of that, um, he was in the twenty seventh percentile in drawing and ones last year. If you yeah. want to talk about numbers that will increase, he yes. has got to, as a guy who's going to drive that much, his mm-hmm. drive-to-free-throw-attempt ratio has got to be one of the worst in the league because guys that are getting to the rim, he finished like 12th or 13th in drives per game. Most of the guys that are getting to the game uh, to the, the rim that often are at the line way more. Yeah. So that's definitely one that you will want to keep track of this year. He only got uh, only on 19% of his... Uh, well, on percentage of shooting fouls drawn that he also made the shot, you know, finished mm-hmm. his hand one yeah. through. Yeah. Opportunity for a three-point play. Yeah. Uh, were you encouraged by how often Luca got to the line last night? Yeah, for sure. Because I feel like if they're in between calls, it's always the rookie thing of, okay, you're not getting that call. But I feel like he's so big and he puts people in such compromising situations where it's just like body weight calls where someone like obviously just – put 200 pounds of them into him and he still got his shot off. So I feel like that's something we're not prepared for. Like the first game, first three games, whenever he's going to have seven free throws a game or something like that. I feel like that's something we're going to be quoting really quickly. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was saying earlier too, about his ability to stop and start in the lane can also end up with people. He's a very frustrating guard uh, cover. Like I feel like if you had to guard him, um, you would be pissed off. No (laughs) doubt. Because you're like, what? Yeah. How did you just how did you just get in front of me and then stop like this? Like <laughs> you hate playing pickup basketball against people who play like that. Yeah, he I mean he's he's like hard and light right now. Where he's he's very good at using his weight. He's bigger than you. Just wait till people start complaining about him. Then you'll yeah. know that he's made it. Oh yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's when you know he's really done something. Whenever he gets to shoot 12 free throws a game or something like that and he's making, you know, nine of them and uh he's just constantly roasting you to get to the free throw line. And you just think he's uh, found a loophole in the in the game of basketball, like I feel about James Harden. Um, yeah, that's whenever he's made it. Um, all right, let's do some Twitter questions. Is that cool? Sure. All right, first one. Which under-the-radar player is poised to have a breakout season from Mr. James Wood? And uh, if you don't mind, I'll take it. I think I could see Jalen Brunson having a really good season. If you're looking for somebody that's completely under the radar. Um, obviously, we saw what Costas could do last night, <laughs> which I think he caught at least two bodies in the matter of like four minutes. Like, I love that kid. He's a really good kid. We did an interview with him this week. Uh, just a swell guy overall, and I think he's got a ton of basketball talent in him. A couple of years away. I wish I wish he could get minutes this year. I just think he's going to be a, a Texas legend for most of it. But if J.J. Barea keeps having calf problems or hamstring problems like he already has, that those minutes are Jalen Brunson's minutes. Like, there's no way around it. Yeah. And I think they like Brunson. I know he's not, you know, he's not a memeable NBA player. And, uh, you know, his his sauce rating isn't that high. No. But 
He's just a really good basketball player that's frustrating as hell. He can get his shot basically whenever he wants to, knows what to do. And I feel like you're going to look back at this season and go, you know what? There's not much hype around him. He doesn't. There's not a lot of fun going on, but the dude can run an offense, and he's steady with it. And that six points and three assists a game, they usually mattered. So I'll give you Brunson. Yeah, it's tough to say because, I mean, they've got guys who are very hyped up and guys who have been here for a very long time. So mm-hmm. our our pool of guys to choose from is pretty low. Right, under the radar players. Pretty limited, right. Yeah, but really I do exist. think that when Dirk is playing 60 games and sitting out you know, for a couple dozen or something. And I think they've already, if once they've already established how they want to play with their bench unit, I think they'll just play Maxi more. Yeah. And I think he's earned, he's earned it. Yeah. And I, I think if, I think he can shoot, let's see, he shot 31.3% from three last year. I, he's a better shooter than that. Absolutely. I think he ends up shooting 36, 37% from three this year and ends up being a guy who can score, you know, eight, nine points a game. Yeah. And for a guy who is, you know, playing his rookie season at 26 after dealing with a ton of injuries, I mean, that's, I would say that constitutes a breakout. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, he might be, he could be morphing into Dwight Powell. Yeah, I mean, he's going to get it done in a different way. Oh, for sure. Uh, But I still think that, yeah, that's a similar type of bench player who can develop one specialty and is not bad defensively to the point where you Mm -hmm. can't play him and the then all of a sudden you're like, oh, got a got a nice backup big here. Mm-hmm. Especially given that not only is Dirk not going to play every game this year, they need to be looking for who they're going to replace Dirk off the bench with. Yeah, uh, likely next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the long term uh, thing to keep an eye on. Uh, let's do the the assist one from J. C. Lee, uh, assist leader this season. By the way, I just looked it up, and in his final 16 games, Maxi shot 39% from three. There you go. So that's at least he ended the season that way, which also tells you that they he started out very poorly. Okay, assist mm-hmm. leader for the season? Yeah, I guess I'm, I'm assuming he thinks assist per game. Uh, I would still be surprised if it's not Dennis. I know that he'll lose – he probably would lose some of what his normal trajectory would have been without, um, without drafting Luka, but mm-hmm. you – He's still probably going to have the ball a ton. Yeah. And let's see. He was at 5.2 last year. Berea led the team with 6.3. Hell, I don't know. I mean, I guess I could see it being Berea again if you're going to give him Dirk. And Powell, like. On the bench unit. Yeah. yeah I mean, that. you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna say it's still Berea. The really? only thing that might uh, temper that a little bit is if it turns into a not per game, but a counting stat, and mm-hmm. Berea misses a bunch of time. I think I'm going to go. I want to go Luca. Of course. I really want to go Luca. Because I didn't I mean I didn't notice maybe I wasn't looking close enough, but I didn't see a DeAndre Luca pick and roll that actually happened last night. Um might have been on one of uh, early possession whenever I was having to do uh stuff for the the dot com um and couldn't watch every single possession, but I didn't see one. And I don't know if that's purposeful or they're not that worried about working on it or it's just kind of natural. DeAndre did get in foul trouble, which was really weird <laughs> early on. But uh, I, th- I think Luca has the aptitude for it. There's not a better passer probably on the team um, in terms of angles he can find and places he can put the ball. And uh, while I do think Dennis diming up Luca is going to happen way more, and Luke actually converting the three-point shot, uh, then the vice versa, then Luca driving into the lane and finding Dennis and him knocking it down. I I, wa- I really want it to be Luca, so I'm just going to stick with it. Yeah, I, I don't think that would be a bad thing. It'd be great. Uh, I mean, I'd like to I'd like to see him at least get to like four or five a game. Yeah. Uh, and again, keep in mind, there. I just think there's going to be a lot more possessions per game. Oh, for sure. So there's going to be a lot more opportunity for that sort of thing. I was just trying to roll through the uh, DeAndre highlights from last night, and mm-hmm. the move where he picks Dennis's man, mm-hmm. and then the and then he rolls, but the guy d- doesn't help on him at all mm-hmm. because they're worried that they're gonna hit Luca in the corner. Yeah, that's pretty. <laughs> that's well, that's fun. That's fun basketball. <laughs> so yeah, I uh, I'll take Berea, but it's not a shot at. Uh, not a shot at Luca. It's more just about 
I think that bench unit is going to be on freaking NOS. Yeah. That's a, a race, a racing term. <laughs> oh, okay. I live what my life a quarter mile at a time, so. And just evolve to quoting Fast and the Furious movies. Well, I finally saw it 15 uh, years later, so now I kind of The very like first I'm, one? Yeah. I just saw it. Bob like, and Dan made me watch it. Dog, that was that was iconic high school stuff right there. I know, and I was so against everything related to racing when I was in high school. Like there was a lot of street racing that went on at my high school, and I just thought that really? was all so dumb. And you, you know, you're gonna die. Yeah, <laughs> so that's, like, that's, how, that's how this ends. I just didn't enjoy like the real. No high... one makes it to the street racing hall of fame. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> it high, doesn't exist. High tesserone, as uh, the Browns great once told us that. That's not for me, so I, I stayed away from it. And now I've seen the first one, and I uh, I I didn't love it. The seventeen year old has a weird uh, fixation on either racing cars or like sound systems in cars. Now I did get that, into that. That only lasts for like two years of your entire life. Now nah, then you just become stock boy. <laughs> That's yeah. where I'm at now. Yeah, and I just I just want to give me the straight. No, leather seats, I don't need them. Moonroof, no, no, thank you. What's the safety package? Let's be, let's be practical. <laughs> are there uh, airbags on windows as well? What are we talking here? What's the mileage? Yeah, I definitely spent, uh, I don't know, probably a thousand bucks on a sound oh, yeah. system in a truck. Oh, yeah. That uh, definitely blew within three months. Remember the moment it happened. It's coming down uh, 287 in Arlington, listening to the remix to Ignition. Oh, wow. And, and one of the subs just stopped rattling. I'm going to close out at least what I think this episode is by saying uh, people should go listen to not only the DeAndre pod, but also Bobby and Machine talking to uh, Donnie and Tony. How do I say his last name? Ronzoni. Ronzoni. The, the way you don't want to say it. Right. Which saying it in front of him, I'm like, Tony Ronzoni. It was great. A half an hour on just how scouting at the international level works and how it translates. It was really, really good. Yeah, so, it was fun, man. I a lot of good Mavs content. You never know whenever you start like uh, <laughs> getting a microphone in front of people if they're like, hey, I got 10 minutes here or, hey, I realize you're doing a podcast and let's hang out for like 40 minutes. And they were definitely the latter. And uh, Donnie was like, hey, come into my office. So we went was, back to the office and it was really cool. Yeah, it was Learned super fun, man. Check that out. And also, uh, the new thing we dropped on Friday, it's called The Ceiling is the Roof. <laughs> and if you know that reference, then uh, tip of the hat to you. Um, it's basically our Friday pod with me and Bobby, not just interviewing some random guests, but it's kind of like a, a, a roundtable type thing. And hopefully we're going to have more than... We had Followell on by himself because Followell's Followell. Sure. Like, I could give... I could say... Um, Mavericks basketball offense to him, and he would talk. He would just engage Followell brain and talk for 40 minutes straight. Oh, yeah. So I didn't want to get somebody else on with Followell on this roundtable and, uh, you know, just be like, okay, well, yeah, now you have 30 seconds to to uh, respond, uh, candidate Beto. Um, and so we just did follow on the first one, but the second one we're going to get at least multiple guests. And then every week it's going to be Friday. It's going to be me, Bobby, plus at least plus two Um some people around the organization that you don't hear from a lot of, don't hear from a lot, I guess, uh, is a way to say that. Uh, but it's really interesting. It's going to be super fun. Uh, do you mind if I ask you three super quick questions, random-ass questions? Sure. That I uh, ended the, the pregame show with last night. All right, the next destination for an NBA expansion team. Uh, Where that? Did Seattle not get approved? I don't think it's been approved yet. Well, that needs to happen. Yeah. Um, as I know you were similar to me growing up when the Mavericks were not good. Mm -hmm. uh, anytime the Sonics were on television, give me a little NBA on NBC on Sunday. Oh, yeah. That was something I was really into because they were a fun team. They had a player with my last name. <laughs> and so it was just an easy fit for me. And I think Seattle, It's it's still really, really frustrates me the way that the Oklahoma City thing went down. Mm-hmm. Um, Stealing the Sonics. I know it's a one-side documentary, but it's still, I think, probably tells a pretty accurate portrayal of what happened. It's also why I hate the Thunder a lot more than I do, for example, like the Rockets or the Spurs. Just mm -hmm. I just can't stand them. Um, Seattle needs to happen, man. That one feels like it is too easy. Yeah. It's too obvious. If, they, if you mess that one up, 
be real upset with you. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what other Canadian uh, markets would work because Toronto, a place I haven't been, I mean, people talk about how. Well. That's right. I was going to say, uh, even though I haven't been to Toronto, people still knock it as a market. I don't get that at all. No. Uh, but Vancouver, I could definitely, obviously, it's not only already been one, it seems like a market that could definitely support one. But yeah. I'm going to go with Seattle. Yeah. Um, what changes first? The NBA age rule? Back to just 18, year out of high school, or not even year out of high school, uh, straight out of high school. Or the four-point line. I think the four-point line is... I think that the age rule will change first, but I think the four-point line is a real thing. Oh, yeah. Um, And it's not that crazy. I mean, people act like it is, but there used to not be a three-point line, and they tr- they changed that. You used yeah. to not be able to throw the ball in football. <laughs> they changed that. So there have they used to not have fences in baseball games at yeah. some parks. Like, it was just, it ah, seems, it's just going. It seems crazy whenever you throw it out there and say this is something that you could actually see happening. But it's really not that crazy given the range that uh, some of these dudes have now. I mean, I don't know how they would structure it. It would be really hard to wrap your head around. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I think there might be something to it. So I'm going to say the age rule, but not because the four-point line is far away. I think it's much closer than it's ever been. I mean, both are, both are happening. Yeah, and both the age rule, happen. man, that to me is a whole other conversation about the G League because I do think that there's something to not having a kid sit on your bench, know he's not going to play, he probably goes out at night and doesn't take care of his body. And having a dude who's 18 or 19 just sit on an NBA bench for two years, I think is really dangerous. Mm-hmm. Like, I think you need, because that's not what happens in football. You get three or four years of professional training in college. At the at, uh, minor league baseball, for the first three or four years of your career, you're playing every day. So you have a job. You can't just, like, go get drunk and hang out in the at the bar or the club until 2 a.m. and then show up the next day because you know you're not going to play. I do think that's what happens to a lot or happened to a lot of those kids, especially if you're drafted in like the 20 to, you know, 60 range. Mm -hmm. I don't think they prepare the way they should. Yeah. I think they just kind of coast. I think the age rule is probably going to change for the wrong reasons real quick. And it's probably just so LeBron can play with his son for a year or two (laughs) and two years, two, three years. I think three years. 2021 is whenever Bronny, little, little Bronny will be uh, 18. I figure they just change it right then. Just like Chris Paul changed the CBA to allow people his age to make, uh, to sign what four or five year deals. Yeah, it was Paul, Carmelo, and LeBron. Yeah. Because so I think the league's uh, being dictated by them. As much as the league is just being dictated by players overall, which I, I love. Right. Uh, because it's unique to any other sport basically in the world. Um, it's being dictated to a very small group of players, or being dictated by. And it's Chris Paul, LeBron James, and Carmelo mainly. Because <laughs> so Carmelo they, still want. thought he was going to get a five-year deal, <laughs> so he needed to make sure that they got that math changed yeah. up, and he could <laughs> really yeah. got a bunch of hoodies though, a bunch of tight hoodies. Yeah. Uh, all right, last one, and this might just be like dangling chum off the side of the boat <laughs> to a shark, but next team not named the Golden State Warriors to win back-to-back NBA titles? Well, I mean, obviously your smart play is is Boston. Um, It seems like that. I still am going to be interested to see how they work all that out, you know, because they're not going to be able to keep everybody. Mm -hmm. They're not going to be able to pay. I mean, I guess they could try to pay everybody, but. It's so weird to think we haven't seen them with Gordon Hayward at all. Yeah. We saw them with Kyrie for a minute. We haven't seen them with Gordon Hayward at all. I'm just not sure that I can vote against, even though I do think, um, you know, I think the Rockets are not, I think they're going to take a step back, but I Mm -hmm. think they're going to be good for a few more years. Man, if they get Jimmy Butler, I'm going to be so upset. And I'll be super upset if the Heat get Jimmy Butler as well. That seems like the way that one's going. I just... But they're going to have to figure out a way, you know, it's one thing to say, well, I'm all about the team, the team, the team. But at some point, you know, the guys that aren't Jason Tatum, Kyrie Irving, and Gordon Hayward are going to want to also play. Mm-hmm. So Jalen Brown, I think, is great. Uh, I know there's a lot of people. I've heard the Mavericks don't love him because they think he would not be as good outside of Boston's system. To me, I'm like, well, 
we have a pretty good system here. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to go with either the 76ers or the Celtics. And I think I, I, it's really hard for me to imagine a team that has Gordon Hayward, Kyrie Irving, and Jason Tatum all in their primes not being a contender. And if, it, if they just have those three guys for the next few years, like they're going to be in the mix. Unless, here's the only thing that could really screw this up, is if Durant decides to go to the Lakers. Yeah. And I still think that's a possibility. And I almost hope he does mm-hmm. because I think he can. you can get in his head a little bit. <laughs> and I feel like he wants to be a heel so bad that I could almost see him being like, I'm going to do the most F you move I can possibly <laughs> do at the end of my career um, to just prove how much I don't care about what the haters and the doubters say. Um, but, yeah, so... I feel like the Celtics, and if Durant goes somewhere else, those are the two. <laughs> I do feel like could the, be anywhere really. The Lakers are the one that, like, everyone starts thinking about the East, and I'm like, Milwaukee. You know, I've seen them in the mix for Jimmy Butler. That would be interesting. Let's let's win like 45 games, guys. Let's do that. One. Let's yeah. do that first. Um, it's true. The 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 sleeper, the one that might be on the the edge of okay. So they're the teams that made the conference finals, right? There's a. Uh, there's Houston, there's Boston, there's uh, 76ers who are on the edge of it, and then you throw in uh, the Lakers because of the guy that went there. I think the one that I think this franchise is on a very high trajectory, it just depends on a couple little weird things, Denver. Yeah, I, I love what Denver did. It's just a matter of whether or not they can guard anybody. But, man, if it turns out that Porter Jr. can actually play at some point. Oh, my God. They could be – I mean, they're going to set offensive records. What a nightmare. You know, no matter what. They're yeah. pretty much already at the point where I think they're going to set offensive records. And they've got a ton of dudes that you just have to love. Mm-hmm. If they if they want to spend – like, I thought they should have kept Wilson Chandler and Kenneth Freed for one more year. And then if you're – Deciding to move on if it's Michael Porter Jr. time, if there's no minutes for him, then after this season, maybe let it go. Uh, but if they really want to spend, and I, I can totally understand going into the season as well and going, hey, we didn't make the playoffs. I'm not paying like yeah. $50 million in luxury Yeah, tax, but I mean, guys. you were what? Let's they were see. one game out. They they won now, 48 or 49. They were not just one game out. They were they, last game they of the season. They won 46. Yeah. But they're only three games away from the three seed. So yeah. a smart team would not look at that and say... Well, you know what an owner is going to say. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, if no playoff o- gate. Yeah. And, no and money. an owner that owns 10 other entities like Cronky, uh, like Stanley. Uh, yeah. He's going to go, you know what? <laughs> you didn't make the playoffs. I didn't get any home playoff games. If you think I'm going to pay this $35 million tax bill, do whatever you got to do to get under. And it was Wilson Chandler and it was Kenneth Freed. And they probably uh, lowered their ceiling at least this offseason. But, I mean, if they want to pay and they want to keep. Um, you know Jamal Murray, Jokic, who they already ponied up for. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. is going to be next. Harris, Will Barton, they bought in on, and then Gary Harris on a great contract now. So they don't have anything. I feel like that could break up that core to an extent where I'm like, yeah, this team's over. And I think that in a weird way, I give them a better shot because they're in the West. Yeah, <laughs> because the West is just getting old, mm-hmm. and so you know, I really, really like the Pacers. Mm-hmm. Um, unless Dallas is able to poach away Miles Turner, <laughs> which I'm all about for restricted free agency next year, uh, depending on what happens with DeAndre. But I really like the Pacers. I think they have two, maybe three guys who will be thought of as top 40-type players with Sabonis, uh, Deep, and and Turner, but they're not going to touch the 76ers or Celtics, I don't think. Right, yeah. Like they're, long-term. Their because, overall talent. Dude, been... that's another thing. I know you want to hate and uh, and you want to make fun of Markel Fultz. Markel Fultz is going to, uh, as a great man once said, ball out this year. He's going <laughs> to have so. a big year. And I hope so. If Ben Simmons is going to start throwing assists off the backboard like he did the other night, that was against Melbourne. <laughs> I don't know why teams don't try that more. Yeah, why not? I'm here for it. Like Just if you've got create the link, a new angle, yeah, and you have to be an unselfish player who's willing to lower your field goal percentage but also yeah. add yourself a rebound and assist so I guess it's not that unselfish but. I feel like that's the kind of thing that would definitely work in pickup basketball because the recovery speed once once the ball goes off the backboard like I don't know how it would work in an NBA arena with uh, the ball they use and the backboard they use but I don't feel like the ball comes off fast enough to like actually 
I've always true. I've always dreamed of the uh, the Wayne Gretzky hockey assist where you just throw it off the back of the board to yourself, who's also scooping across the other side. You know what I mean? Like behind the goalie, like throw it over the head of the goalie and it bounces back to you. I want to do that in basketball, like pick and roll. Someone's rolling towards the lane and he throws it so hard off the window that it goes back to the guy on the wing. I want to. That's 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 the next offense. Okay, that's the next evolution. It's not going back to the big man. It's no. finding ways to use the backboard. Yes, it's passing off the backboard to generate three point looks. I'm in. I just think I just I think, think Luca could pull that off. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna whisper it to him, <laughs> like, "Hey, bro, you tried this yet? Huh? It's gonna be like." <laughs> I'm gonna sound like I'm selling cigarettes to kids. Hey, you tried one of these? <laughs> hey, 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 bro. Hey, hey, fellow teen. You're gonna throw a pass off the backboard or no? I like tattoos <laughs> and tigers. All right, let's get the hell out of here. Uh, that was fun, and we'll be we, uh, we'll be. What am I trying to say? We'll be here for you next week. We will on the four pointer. I'm Mike. He's Jake. Thank you for listening, Jacob. Thank you. Yes, sir. For your time.